had a great day. Um, First Church was amazing, and you guys look great, and I'm excited about all of that. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, Now that the ladies' conference is over, it's already been said, we are very excited in gearing up. In two weeks, we are having our great men's conference, and we are going to crush the ladies. Now I'm going to try to figure out how I get out of that that I just dug. Um, men, uh, Doug Fletcher, are you still around, bro? Back here. Hey, Doug. Uh, you know what? Uh, we're kind of meeting with the men today, but after this service day, I understand that we have baptism. So what I'd like to do, I'm changing our plan that we discussed. What I'd like to do is transition out to the baptism, and then while we're out there eating barbecue and stuff, Doug wants to meet with the men. We're trying to get guys signed up to see what you want to play as far as the sports go, and also sign up for, um, for our breakout sessions that we're having at our great men's retreat. So um, we got all kind of things coming up. I am going to leave men's conference with uh, the trophy for the closest to the pin pitching in golf. Y'all laugh? Faith me into this, people. What is that? You got to faith me in. I, 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 that's about, I'm going to try my hand at all of them. Yeah, Ryan laughs like basketball. <laughs> you know, no, actually, see, I'm a, what is this, three on three in basketball? Well, I'm going to have a four-man team. I'm just going to align myself with the youngest, most robust team there and say I'm on their team. So, and then they can sub me in for one play. And I get a medal. I am third string football field. You never know who they are. You never see them, but they get a Super Bowl ring anyway. So anyway, that's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. So Doug Fletcher will be out there, and um, we'll try to connect with as many men as we can today. We want you to sign up and be here for the men's conference in a couple of weekends. It's going to be exciting. Um, I also... I want to say that the barbecue truck is here and ready to serve you. And I am begging you, let's make it worth their while coming because the only way they get paid is if we buy barbecue. And so make it their way. Go by there even if you don't like barbecue. Buy it for yourself and try it. You'll like it. Become more of a Texan. Do something about yourself. You know, come on. Come on. Just uh, go buy some barbecue. Everybody say barbecue. Everybody say brisket. Smoked chicken, tacos. They have barbecue tacos. Everybody, mmm. Y'all getting hungry yet? We need a long line out there. We're also going to baptize. We, we're, we're, we, we love doing our, our summer baptism festival, and um, we call it bab- baptism and barbecue. And the big thing about that is that we want people to take one step. Just wherever you are. Like even today, wherever you are on, on your journey with God, whether it's just beginning, or, or maybe it's even in the curiosity stage. Now, a lot of churches won't admit this, but uh, we don't mind people just being curious. You know, I mean, a lot. You go to some churches, they make you feel like if you're not one of us, you know, if you don't act like us and be like us and do things like like us, and there's just something wrong with you. You should act like us. I, I don't want some of you to act like us. I like you the way you are. But the reality of it is, is that, is that there really isn't an us in that. You see what I'm saying? That you, I love saying this, you know, people see, you ever seen a church sign that says, come as you are? And what they really mean is, come as you are, as long as you look like us? I mean, they should put a, you know, an addendum to that come as you are thing. Because when you walk in, you suddenly realize that, um, man, if you don't dress like them or, or act like them, or if you may look a little different from them, then you feel ostracized among them. And I think that's a travesty because you don't help people. You don't help people as a church to do this, to do this first thing. We, our vision is love God, connect with others, serve with excellence. And, and there's, a, there's a four, like, a, like an undercurrent, a four-phrase undercurrent that, that kind of flows through the vein of, Love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. And, and that undercurrent for love God is that, is that we want people to know God. We want you to discover God here. And maybe even in a new way. You say, well, I've already discovered God. I'm, I, I like him. You know? 
Uh, and that's great. But, but we want you to know something more about him. We, we want you to, to grow in that understanding. And so if you're at the very beginning and you're just kind of like in, like I'm just kind of curious about that, that's okay with us. But, but understand that our goal is to help you take one step. That, that, maybe, that maybe you move just a little further, uh, just, just a little bit off of curiosity to maybe some, some, some true searching. To go from curiosity to maybe searching, saying, well, you know, there, there may be something to this. I think I'm going to look a little deeper in that. I think that's the responsibility of the church. As a matter of fact, the primary responsibility of the church. What we strive to do in love God, which most of that happens here on Sunday during this, during this um, session for, for, for a lot of people, that's what we strive to do, is that, is that our primary mission here is for people to get saved. I mean, seriously. If, if you're a church and you're in some other business other than getting people saved, well, then call yourself something other than a church. I mean, Jesus looked at disciples and looked at, and really to us as well through the Word of God, and He's declaring to us that, that our great commission is to go and make disciples. I mean, our great commission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ into the hearts of people that, that at some point in their existence with, and their relationship with that church, that, they, that they, should, they, they should be able to say, well, I know God better, or that I have fallen, or that, or that I have given my heart to Him. And that's what we strive to do with with love God. And if we're not doing that, if we're not doing that as a church, then we really, we really can't call ourselves a church. We, we'd have to call ourselves maybe a social gathering or um, uh, weird people anonymous or something. We'd have to call ourselves something because we couldn't call ourselves a church. I remember several years ago we were, we were um, transitioning in youth ministry and um, we had had uh, uh, some young couples involved with youth ministry, and they were they were um, uh, moving into another church. They were being hired by another church to do a, a different kind of ministry, and um, we had we had fallen into a philosophy as a church. And 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 I and I, I mean I look back on it, it was kind of a it was kind of a, a leadership faux pas of the of the pastor of the lead pastor. I really probably didn't give them the kind of direction. That they needed, I just felt like maybe that they would just, they would just understand that this was what we were supposed to be doing. But back in those days, I mean, you know, some of you weren't even born yet. I look at our youth group now, and said, man, were they even born when all this was going on? It's like time has flown so much. But, but, but back in those days, everybody was trying to emulate these big youth ministries that were, you know, like you walked into their youth ministry and it was like a arcade game thing, you know what I'm saying? They had all this, I mean, it was just all this, all this, um, you know, kind of a concert atmosphere and, 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 and games, and, and I like games and stuff, and we have nights that we do that, and so I'm not, I'm not saying, but the, kind of the whole focus of youth ministry was that, like, like there was a philosophy that ran through the vein uh, of the churches back in those days, this is, you know, what, 10, 15 years ago, there was a philosophy that kind of ran through that if you will entertain the kids enough, you'll somehow or another find a way to get Jesus in their heart. you just got to entertain them enough. So you attract, and we did, we attracted all of these young people to our church, and, and un, you come really unbeknownst to me, it, it sort of just developed into this thing that, that it, 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 it was more of, it was really emphasized the games. It really emphasized the pizza and the games and the the uh, the concert you know they always had a band in there that and and um, I, I even discovered later that it, it wasn't even always christian music that they were playing but you know that's a whole different story but you know so so when when we came time to when we came time to and let me addendum that i have I, there's no bones about around here that i don't just listen to christian music okay but the you know in that particular setting, you're, you're supposed to be having church. Okay, isn't okay? We're gonna go there. And I mean, if it works into the sermon, there's times I do don't you know I did what's driving you serious. A lot of times I'll do a secular song, or a country song, or a rock song in that series because that's familiar songs that that is an illustration for what I'm about to preach. But but um, I don't I don't think when we come to church we're looking for a concert. All right, I just 
checking. I think that when we come to church, we expect something more than just what we might get at the VOK at a concert. Okay? That, I mean, that's my opinion, and that's the highest opinion in the room because I'm the boss around here. So. <laughs> I assembled a group of people together that had been working our youth ministry at that time. We had about 65, uh, maybe at the most 70 young people coming. Assembled a group of people together. Matter of fact, um, uh, Cleveland and Jesse, I think, were a part of that, a, a part of that group. Cleveland, the main worship guy up here. I think they might have been a part of those meetings. And we were sitting there, and they had thrown some red flags in, in the meetings. They were like, you know, I mean, I think we need to fix some things. And, and so in the course of those conversations, I, I just asked. I said, you know, we have, we have all these young people that are coming here on Wednesday night, but they're not coming here on the weekend. And we have a handful of young people that come here on the weekend whose parents attend our church. And, and so let's don't count them because... Well, we know they're getting saved because they're here on Sunday. I, I'm just curious, has anybody else gotten saved in our youth ministry in the last maybe six, 12, eight weeks, 12 weeks, in the last three months or so? Is any, have we, can, we, can you put your finger on one young person that has been saved on Wednesday nights as a result of our youth ministry? And, and the answer was no. 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 I, said, I said, well, maybe, maybe those parameters are unfair. Maybe all of them got saved six months ago, and we haven't added any new ones. And so I'm like, I'm like, in the last six months, can you put your finger on one young person? I'm not talking about the ones that come on Sunday, because I know we're taking care of that on Sunday. But the ones that, that come strictly just come to the youth ministry on Wednesday night, can, can, can you name one, one young person that, that has gotten saved as a result of our youth ministry in the last six months? And the answer was no. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. You know, we've been about this size for a while. Let me back it up six more months. So I said, in the last year, let's go all the way back to a year. In the last year of this youth ministry on Wednesday night, can you tell me of one young person that has given their heart to Christ on a Wednesday night as a result of our youth ministry? And the answer was back to me, no. And I'll never forget my, my, my response which I can be kind of dramatic. And I, my response was my hands went in the air, and I went, oh, my Lord, we don't have a youth ministry. And then they looked at me. They're like, well, no, no, we come here. Everyone's like, just because you gather don't mean it's a ministry. You can't even call that a church. If people aren't getting saved, you can't call that a church. Oh, boy. I said, you know, we could call that a youth gathering. We could call that a youth social club. We could call that a youth fight night. We could call it a youth whatever you want to call it. But you can't call that a ministry. And so in, in, it, it, it embedded something in me that, you know, Pastor uh, Don and Spunky Hamilton, who also ran our children's ministry for several years here, uh, they took the charge of that, and we went from like 65 young people to four. Okay, we went from six five young people to four because we had to completely dismantle this idea of young people coming here to get entertained. We had somehow another, I'm trying to figure out how do we inject church into this? And I mean, Spunky's idea of doing it was taking zip ties. Spunky Hamilton is the zip tie king of the world. And his idea was take zip ties to the basketball net so you couldn't play basketball in there. Nobody played basketball in that gym for two years. They built that thing and reorganized that thing and replatformed that thing to a, to a church idea, to a church setting, and young people started coming again. And then ultimately, here a few years ago, uh, almost three years ago, has it been, that J, Pastors J.P. and Nikki, there he is, he just came in, uh, Pastors J.P. and Nikki took that program over, and, 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 and they were so infused with this from me that... I don't care if we game them. I don't care if we feed them. I don't care if we laugh them. We have got to save them. We have got to save them. We had 120 young people on campus Wednesday night. And you know what they got? They got worship, a sermon, and an altar call. 
and they got some basketball before and after and some games and we feed them and we still have fun and it's not fuddy-duddy. I go out there, it's louder than we are in here. Somebody said, I don't believe that. But the emphasis is that are people loving God? See, for, for, for youth, uh, Wednesday night, for a lot of those youth, that's kind of their love God session. If we don't give them church, then they don't get church. Okay. And I mean, when we come here, we gather together, there has to be this underlying principle with the side of our heart that, man, are people getting saved? I mean, are people growing in their walk with God? And, and that's what I love about, about, you know, I have an emphasis on children's ministry. I realize that. I have an emphasis on youth ministry. I know I talk about it a lot. And people look at me and say, yeah, that, that's the, he's 50 years old in six months. And he, all he talks about is youth and, and kids. But that's a pulsating beat inside of me. When I was traveling, I went to a conference years ago, probably 30 years ago or 28 years ago. I went to a conference. I was traveling as a minister. And, and a preacher got up and he made this statement. He said, he said, if you save an older person, you save a soul. But if you save a child or a young person, you save a lifetime and a soul. And something, man, that just hit me, man, that hit me in my mind. That I thought, man, when I pastor, there's, I never, I don't care how old I get, I can ever get so old in pastoring that I forget that it's really about the next generation. It's about the kids. It's about putting something in the heart of kids and young people to say, you know what, you need to live for God because, man, living for God's the best way to go. And there really is something about that verse in the Bible that talks about training the child up, and when they get old, they won't leave it. Well, I'm so proud of, of the, the teenagers, that many of our teenagers that we're graduating out of our youth program and going into college and, 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 and are, are going into the workforce. It just, I mean, really, I just got to thinking about that this morning while I was preaching that how many of these kids the last few years have, have continued to go to church, have continued to live for God, have continued in their walk with God because there was something put inside their heart. And that's an anomaly in the world we live in. There's a, there's a lot of young people that hit, high, that hit senior day high school and say, that's it for church for me. And when they go to college or they go into the workforce, they just throw their hands in the air and they say, you know, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And then I look around our church and, man, they're all still working for God. They're all still living for God. They're enjoying their walk with God. I mean, you don't do that by accident. You have to do that with a focus in your heart that says, our job here is not, is not to just be some social gathering. So our job here is to save people and to get Jesus in their heart so they can love God and know Him better. That's why I jump up and down this morning. I walked out after I talked about this in First Church, um, talked about the emphasis we have on kids' ministry. I, I tell our I, I tell our, you, our children's team, and Ryan and Ashley are leading that team. They're doing a fantastic job. Dave and Hope Green are their assistant. They're doing a fantastic job. But I tell them, I say, listen, we are putting the Word of God into little people's heart. We're not babysitting. This ain't about babysitting. I don't, you know, we got a new, listen to me, we got a new thing coming up down the pike right now. And, and they are so connected. I, I may not even be able, I may not supposed to say this, but I'm the boss around here. Uh, they are so <laughs> They are so kind. I said, how are we going to inject this? How can we inject this particular element into these kids or raise these kids up to believe the vision of love God, connect with others, serve with others? How can we do that? And, man, they looked at me just, they looked at me straight up and said, man, we can just take the craft away. I said, we might be the only children's ministry in Tulsa that ain't crafting kids. But you know what we will be doing? We're going to be connect grouping kids. See, we're going we're gonna to take that time. We're going to say, you know what, we're just going to take that time, and that's when we're just going to teach them how to do this right here. So that when our three, hey, when our three-year-olds start saying, oh, get in your connect group, and our three-year-olds know to go gather in their groups, you think when they're 13, they'll still be doing it. When they're 33, they'll still be doing it. Somebody talk to me right now. But to have, but to have children's pastors that are willing to say, you know what, whatever we got to do, we'll make this work. Whatever we have to do, you know? Oh, well. Because, our, hey, listen, we're not interested in babysitting kids around here. We're interested in putting Jesus in their heart. We're, we're interested to teach them how to operate in the kingdom of God. How do you operate in the kingdom of God? You love God. You connect with others. You serve with excellence. Well, praise God. That's how we do it here. Whatever allowances we have to make. Man, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Whatever allowances we have to make to put this into the hearts of kids, that what we need to do is worship together. We need to connect with each other, and we need to serve together. Whatever we have to do. So I got all fired up. You know, a lot of churches don't emphasize kids and children. You know why? Because they cost you money and they don't bring much in. 
Boy, it got quiet. Kids and young people cost you a lot of money. But they don't, they don't, it ain't, it ain't like that baby we're changing the diaper in the nursery that we bought the diapers for is going to, pay tithe you got to emphasize that you have to emphasize that because we've got to put Jesus in their heart why? because we're investing in eternity we're investing in eternity in their lives 8 year old walked out of children's ministry this morning dad looked at him and said y'all want to go back there and get some barbecue that eight-year-old said, I want to get barbecue, but I really want to get baptized. What's he getting at? Didn't get for me. Didn't hear me preach. Didn't hear what I said. That eight-year-old walks out. We baptized an eight-year-old this morning. One plan on getting baptized, but there's something, something happened in our kids' ministry. Something happened. I think it's very, very important. I know I've spent a lot of time on that point. But we gotta, we got we to gotta get that deep inside of our heart that this is what we are as a church. This is what we do as a church. This is what we expect people to do as a church. We want you to take another step and we want your walk with God to be one step closer. While we're baptizing people today, having people sign up, there are people thinking about it even right now. We'll baptize you in your street clothes. I love the story I heard Bill Hybels tell. He has a church of 25,000 people. He, they had a baptism celebration going in there with the Sunday, and they had probably about, about 50 to 100 people signed up to be baptized that day. And Bill Hybels said, I'm up on the platform, and I'm talking about this day, and I'm talking about baptism, and I preached kind of the whole sermon about, about you know, taking a step and, and being closer to God, and this was one way to demonstrate that. And he said, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, there's people in this room right here that did not come prepared to get baptized. But if you'll give them the invitation, they'll, they'll, get, in the, they'll get in the water in their street clothes. And he stopped. He said, "You know what? They, they have this. Their church is a is a five or seven thousand seat. It's a big, and and it's in the space. It's got three levels. It's huge." And he he said, "Across this building right here, there are people that just while I've been preaching, I thought, man, I wish I would have come here today prepared to be baptized." He said, "You know what? You don't need to be prepared to be baptized. We got we got shirts and stuff, and and we'll, we'll baptize you today in your street clothes if you'll just if you'll just step out and make a commitment. We'll baptize you in your street clothes." He said, in our first service, I did that. We were still baptizing people while they were starting the next church service. He said, we baptize people all day because of that. And they had over 3,000 people baptized in their church that day. They only had, they only had 50 to 100 people signed up. They had over 3,000 people. Do you realize that? They 3,000 people stepped out and said, you know what? I think I want to take one step just one step then we talk about connect with others and we talk about that that connect with others is where we find freedom listen listen people miss this point because they don't understand that true freedom is only found in the company of others you're not going to get better alone if you're trying to carry that by yourself it's too heavy you need people in your life. And then, and then last week we talked about serve with excellence. And, and, and a part of our serve with excellence is that we discover our purpose. Figure out what you do. There are people in this room right now that just the words I said about youth and children, something sparked inside of your brain that says, man, I, I'm gifted to work with you and people. I'm gifted to work with children. I'm saying, man, if that's your purpose in life, you're going to have a huge hole in your life until you start doing it. Your life is just not going to be the same. Yeah, I talked about Pastor Ashley over here that so graciously accepted to come on our children's team. And we were in, we were in the Philippines together when, uh, when I noticed the children, just she, children's magnet. Everywhere she went, all these kids hanging off everything. It was everywhere she went. And, you know, God was working on her. And she did not want to do children's ministry. She didn't want to do it. She was fighting that call. And I watch all these kids at Filipinos. They're everywhere Ashley. I say, where's Ashley? Pastor Shame go out. She's buried under those kids over there. You look over there and you couldn't see her. You know? 
They were just all piled up on top of her like this. You couldn't see her. About toward the end of that trip, I, I, she was crying. We had been in a, kind of one of those services where God's touching your heart. And I kind of sat down beside her. And I said, you know what, Ashley? I mean, I, I'm not here to call you into nothing or to tell you about it. I mean, I've pastored you your whole life. And I just want you to know that could it be that God is calling you into children's ministry? I mean, is it possible that you have a gift here? Is it possible at all that you have a gift here? That's not being tapped. Of course, when you're in the Philippines, you'll accept anything. <laughs> so when we get home, we need to talk. When we get home, we need to talk. Because we're needing some help. Don is funkier, needs some help. And it could be that God's calling you and Ryan. I'll never forget that meeting we had in my office that night that Ryan didn't know what he was coming into. And we, we, we sat down in my office and, and I proposed this whole thing about them becoming our assistant children's pastors. And Ryan was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it was almost like, I thought we were fighting this. I thought we were fighting this. I don't, what, what's going on here? What, what? And Ashley's crying. I just, I just, oh my God. He's like, what? Did he not? It was so funny because he was like so blindsided. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, well, uh, Ryan, what do you think about it? He said, oh man, I dig it. I mean, I'm a kid at heart, man. I'm ready to go for it. But what? Like, what? It's like, a, he's like, are you sure she's, are you sure she's ready? You know, God, and what a tremendous asset for all these years now. Called tremendous asset. And a heart for kids. Now they, now they're our main children's pastors, and what a heart for kids! And there was a call of God on their life. And you know what? It's just you're never, you're never fulfilled. Your life is never truly together if you're not discovering your purpose. And then I moved to today's thing because God didn't call us in the church to be spectators. We're not here to entertain people. God called us in the church to be participators, and there's a big difference between spectating and participating. Truly in life, fulfillment comes through us finding a way to make a difference. Find a way to make a difference. I, I, I mean, I'm being honest with you. It was, I mean, the dad walked up to me this morning with the eight-year-old kid and said, can we baptize him? Do you mind? I know he wasn't on the list. I said, who cares about a list? Dunk him in his street clothes, brother. Let's go for it right now. It's what we do. This is what we do. This is who we are. He wants to participate. We're going we're gonna to make a participator right? because that's what we do. We make a difference. We, we're out to make a difference. Romans 12, 4 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, so these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, so discover what your function is, okay? Discover your purpose. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Discover your purpose so you can make a difference. See, belong to one another means that the gifts that rest in us are meant to make a difference in the lives of those around us. The gifts that rest in us are meant to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. And you can never truly be fulfilled in your life until you reach that place where you know you're making a difference. My gifts add value to the kingdom of God. Your gifts add value to the kingdom of God. Your gifts propagate ministry in the local church. It's reflected again in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The Spirit isn't manifesting in me for my good. The Spirit is manifesting in me for the common good. Huh. For the common good, there is a sprinkling of commonness about the manifestation of the Spirit that's operating in my life. And if I become a vortex, if I become like, like in space, I know this is sci-fi, uh, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's a five-year mission to boldly go where no man has gone before. 
You know, they say there's black holes out there. And the, the thing, you want to know what they say creates a black hole? There's, I'm not a scientist on this, okay? But they say a black hole is created because a star blows up. And it sucks everything into itself. It, it, it ceases to function how it was created to function. Huh. And becomes like a cosmic vacuum cleaner. To just suck in whatever it can suck in. God didn't create us to be black holes that, 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 just, that just, it's all about me, it's all about me, it's not about you because it is about me. We live this way where you just, just my gifts, my, my, it's my, it's all has to flow in me and then it don't flow out nowhere, it just all just sucks into me. Never met someone like that that wasn't very unhappy. The manifestation of the Spirit that works in our lives isn't meant for us to have our little thrill game with the Holy Spirit. Like, woohoo! I felt God. Hate you, but I felt God. Right, and I went to a youth meeting one night, and this young youth pastor got up. And I don't know if he meant it. He just in his exuberance. He goes like this. He says, my number one mission in life is to be saved. And I don't care if I take anyone with me. I'm like, hmm, you erased the great commission out of your Bible, didn't you, bucko? Like, I mean, how, how can you say that? I don't care if I take it. No, it's just about me. It's just I need to be saved. I don't care if you're saved. But we, we join in with the, with the great with the great triumphant selfishness of the world to tell people to go to hell. I don't care about you. Just go to hell. Can the church feed that off? Can the church feed that to people to say, no, it's about us. It's just about us. We don't care if you like, it's just about us. It's all about me. And so, and so we, we have to understand, though, that people that are that way aren't happy. Okay, I'm just saying, if you ever heard somebody say that to you, you know they weren't happy. I'm just saying, they weren't a happy camper. They can carry that bitterness in their soul. Because it's, they don't understand that, hey, listen, the manifestation of the Spirit in my life isn't meant for me. It's meant to be sprinkled out for the common good. For the common good. And so we need to make a difference. Everybody say, I need to make a difference. It's going to get very technical. Worked pretty good in first church. Let's try it now. 1940s, a psychologist by the last name of Maslow came up with this, with a, with this pyramid. And he was trying to he was trying to define for us the levels of need that take place in the human existence. And to be honest with you, it's completely true. Okay? But they call it now and have called it through all of counseling and psychology, even on the Christian side, which we have to take in our decree programs that we've been through. We had to study Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So, so the bottom base need for for Maslow, if, if we can find that graph, the bottom base need for Maslow was physical needs. So that's like food and that kind of stuff. And then for Maslow, there were safety needs, then belonging, then self-esteem. And then Maslow skipped all the way past those other two, and he went to self-actualization. And, and this, this was his five. Maslow had five basic intrinsic needs for every human being that ever walks face of the planet. He's saying that, that these are... These are how these needs and the hierarchy of these needs and, and, and so that is. Well, then as years have gone by, even Maslow, uh, many years ago back in the 60s, started saying, um, okay, now wait a minute. I did five and I, I should have done six. Even Maslow recognized that to truly find fulfillment in life, it doesn't stop with you becoming a black hole, that, that you're self-actualized and that it's just like, look at me. Look how triumphal I have been. My life is now complete because I have everything. 
that I've ever wanted. He recognized that, no, as he continued to study people with his own, with his own five pyramid, physical safety, belonging, self-esteem, and self-accusation, he actually discovered that um, people could be very unfulfilled, although they were self-actualized. Be very unfulfilled. Why? Because he said there's something higher than that that they have to go to. And some people have discovered that. I mean, have you, have you seen people in, like in the news that were like millionaires, like they had $100 million, and yet they were like going to jail because they just acted stupid? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm sitting there looking at somebody like that going, dude, if, if I had $100 million, all of my problems would be solved and I would not be acting stupid. Okay? But, but, but here they have all this money, especially like if it's a movie star or a rock star, these kind of people that come into wealth that weren't really like born into wealth, and so they just don't know what to do with it. They just go nutty, you know? And they discovered, and a lot of times, listen to me, a lot of times they kind of go nutty because, because they don't get this. They have all of these needs here met, and they've even self-actualized, but they've hit a brick wall. They've hit a brick wall. Here they are, they're on the top of the world, and yet they are completely unhappy. And they don't know why. Now, there are some people, uh, I think about like Bill Gates. Bill Gates, he's wealthier than many countries in our world, okay? Like 90, I was told after first, second, first church, like somewhere like $90 billion, this guy. That's, not, that's a lot of money, okay? I think I could do something with that kind of money. And I would think that my life would be completely fulfilled, that I've reached this point of sex, self-actualization where my physical needs are met, my safety needs are met, because my physical needs... Physical needs is food, water, shelter. I got that. I'm living in a mansion. I've got, all, I've got people serving me food all the time. I can buy the restaurant and not just eat at it. Um, my safety needs are met. I have a whole crew of, of guards and gates. My belonging needs are met because everybody wants to be with me. I mean, think about it. Everybody wants to be with Bill Gates. You know, I mean, he's your friend. My self-esteem is pretty high because I'm very successful. And I have self-actualized. Look at me. Look how triumphal I am. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. I mean, you know, you know, you wouldn't hear Bill Gates say in a speech, well, folks, I'm just trying to find myself. You know, if I could just find, if I could just find myself, you know, but I'm just really confused about what I'm doing and who I am. You, you wouldn't hear him say that because he is fully self-actualized. But he's realized that he's gotten to that place up there, and he's still not there. He's still not there. And even Maslow said, no, you can get right there, and, and there's yet another level. See, so Bill Gates says, you know what? We need to start a foundation called the Bill Gates Foundation, and we need to just give more money away than most people see in their entire lifetime. Every year. We just, we just need to give about five, $600 million away every year. Because he realized that it can't be about me. I mean, I mean, something has got to happen inside of my life that my life means more than just me. But that the manifestation of the Spirit in my life has to be for the common good. And the only way that I can truly be self-actualized is if when my life is given away. Zuckerberg, you don't have to like his politics you don't have to like anything about him. Instant millionaire with Facebook. Instant millionaire. Made a statement with his wife last year that we have set this thing up that by the time we die, we would have given it all away. Why? Because here I am, standing on what used to be the top of the pyramid. I have self-actualized. I've got all of the other needs met in my life. I have completely self-actualized. And, and it's not there. It's not, it's not, wait, there's something more to all of this. Something more to all of this. See, when you think of these as in the hierarchy of needs and you see the pyramid, you realize first that the physical needs, the, this is biological and physiological needs that like air and food and water and shelter, warmth and sleep. These are just the basic, the bottom line. This is like in 85% of our world, 85% of our world is having those needs met, physical needs. 15%, even in third world countries, most people have food. In those, most people do have some form of shelter. 
they do have some form of clothing themselves. 85% of the world. That's why it's at the bottom of the pyramid. So there's a wider span. So many people are, are realizing that need in their life. Then you have safety needs, protection from the elements, security, order, laws, limits, um, stability. People lock doors. 75% of the world have their safety needs met. 75% of the world have their safety needs met. Did you know that people will even stay in a bad job because of security? Or even stay in a relationship that's abusive because of security. It offers security, and so it may even be a bad environment, but they need that need met in their life. So they, they do that. Then the, the belonging need. People need to gather. I'm reading a book, or have read a book this week, about uh, cultural anthropology, the study of human beings. And, and in that book, it talks about people have a need for grouping. You, you have love needs in your life. They're family, affection, relationships. Uh, we need to be needed, and we need to be known which has given rise to the craze of social media. And let me throw out a warning real quick to you. Social media does not replace face-to-face interaction. And if it is in your life, you desperately need to join a connect group. I mean, you need to join one anyway. But social media can give you the impression that you're connecting with people when in fact you're very alone. Only 50%, 50% of the people in our world have that need met in their life. The belonging need, that they, that, they, that they feel like they're a part of an affinity group that really is working and functioning in their life. 50% of people. You know, that's why we're stressing so much to connect with others here at our church. Because if the statistic is across the board, which it is, 50% of the people that come to our church feel the same way. I don't know anyone. Everybody wants the cheers experience. I want to go where everyone knows my name. Then esteem needs, self-esteem, achievement, recognition, to be complimented. 40% of our world do not have self-esteem issues. That means 60% do. And this is why it's so important, again, for us to get in this uh, love God, connect with others, serve with excellence, so we can help people find a way to to build up their morale and build up their self-esteem. It's why we're doing what we're doing. It's helping people take one step closer. All of these needs that I've mentioned, the first four, these are what are called deficiency needs. The final four are the higher order needs or the growth needs. The first four have instant gratification, but they are ultimately not fulfilling. When you are hungry, you, you eat, and you get hungry again. You have safety, the safety is met in your life, but then maybe you go to a different part of town and you feel unsafe, or maybe you, you, uh, you know, economy issues make your job seem more shaky than what you used to be very secure in last year. Now suddenly, now suddenly that need is not being met again, and you find yourself scrambling for security in that area. Deficiency needs, but they don't ultimately fulfill. The last four, they're the growth needs. They take time and bring true fulfillment into a life. So I have to ask the question, what really makes you happy? And number one, th- this is a new one. This, this was one that has been injected from Maslow. It's cognitive needs. We need to know. That's why there's been such a huge rise in, in documentary television, Planet Earth, HGTV. How's it made? I need to know. I need to know. It's not enough for me anymore just to eat cheese puffs. I need to know how cheese puffs are made. How they do that. Then there are the aesthetic needs. This is a new one. Aesthetic needs. We need appreciation and desire for the beauty of nature, being outside, beaches, lakes, music. Photography. That's why we draw. That's why we have lights. And that's why we have lawns mowed. That's why we paint walls and hang pictures and decorate and have little trinkets everywhere, little shiny things everywhere because we have this need in our life for, for beauty and for art and for. Then we get back to Maslow as self actualization and realizing personal potential and experiencing that self fulfillment, being being the best, seeking peak experience in our life, being a part of something that's amazing and awesome. Feeling like we have 
worth in those things in our life. You know, even being a part of a crowd in a game, if you're, if you're rooting for someone. I mean, we, we, we've been to Thunder games where we like, we're trying to rip the seats out. Like, I can't believe we just made that shot. And you feel like you're a part of it. You're, you're, you're self-actualizing that triumphant moment. Several years ago, we went to a baseball game down in Texas at Texas uh, Rangers, and they were playing Boston. And I don't know what happened. They had this pitcher, and his arm was clearly getting heavy. And he, he throws, and, and, and the dude just clocks one out of the, out of the place just clocks a home run out of the place. And man, the place just, you know, we all cheer, you know. And the guy runs the bases. We're all cheering. Well, then the next batter got up. And the next batter, he, he wound up in, dude threw one pitch, and he clocks that thing right out of the stadium. Second home run, two pitches, two home runs. At this point, around the ring of the baseball stadium there, they put fire, the flames. And Johnny Cash comes on the speakers. I fell into a burning ring of fire. We were going crazy. We were going crazy. We were so self-actualizing this triumphant moment. I don't know why they didn't pull that picture. The next guy got up to bat, throws it in, puts it single. He's on first base. Next guy comes in. He puts it double. Now we got a guy on first and a guy on third. The next guy gets up to bat. He clocks one for a 3-1 run home runner out the bat. The flames came back on. Johnny Cash starts singing I fell into a burning rock and we were pulled on the seats. We were stomping things. Took them forever to get that game going again. Because they pulled the they pulled the pitcher out with the burning ring of fire still going. And we were burning ring of fire. Crowd would start calming down. And new pitcher, new pitcher would was coming out. Flames come back on burning ring of fire. <laughs> People want to have triumphal moments. Want to live in triumph and in victory. Yes, look what we've done. Look how accomplished. But all of those accomplishments. Did you know that only 2% of our world, 2% of our world feels that way? 2%. Did you know that only 1% of college students feel that way? Only 1% of college students feel like they truly know themselves and truly feel, can feel comfortable and confident about their successes in life. That's why I've said week after week, the greatest place for you to find all of this is in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God could help you make a difference. Because that last one, transcendence, that last one, transcendence, that's the one Maslow wanted to add. And that's one they have added because this is the thing. Transcendent means living your life beyond yourself. Living your life beyond yourself. Living a life that makes a difference. Fulfilled life is one that goes beyond itself. The transcendent life literally means helping others reach their self-actualization so that they can transcend. No better place in the world for this than the church. This is my final hurrah on this sermon today. True self-fulfillment does not end with discovering self. It ends with giving self away. True fulfillment doesn't end with discovering self. It ends with giving self away. So I stand here today as you stand with me. As I stand here today, I think, man, we want to love God with everything we've got. We want to connect with others with everything we've got. We want to serve with excellence with everything we've got. Why? Because we want to help people go beyond what they ever dreamed possible with their life we want them to walk away saying my life means something my life means something I'm going to make a difference we have next steps here at our church the whole purpose of next steps is to help people reach a point of transcendence in their life that we, we, we talk about the church in the 101 we talk about you in the 201 we talk about what you can do in the 301 how can we help you how can we funnel you how can we 
Uh, there are sign-up sheets right now for the next wave of, of Next Steps in the foyer right now. And there's people in this room saying, you know what, man, it's time for you to get a start on it. It is time for you to do this. It's time for you to say, you know what, I want to go through that. I want to find out about the church. I want to find out about me, and I want to find out about what I can do. Why? Not because we need you. You need us. You need to do this because it's the only way you're going to get there is to align yourself with someone who says, come on, let's help you. Let's help you because somebody on this team today is about to hit a home run. And this whole place is fixing to go, yeah, we already done it once. We put an eight-year-old down in the water today. And you get to be a part of that. Going beyond yourself. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, my heart stands with people that are in desperate need of what you have to offer. I pray that in this place, in this house, even right now, that something would click in their hearts, that they would feel your touch and your presence, that they would know that they are valuable, 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 valuable. They are so valuable. And I'm asking you, Father, to help them begin to see the needs of their life being met. And I pray, God, that every one of us would reach that place where we're living beyond ourselves. In Jesus' name right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start. I want to pray for salvation. I want to pray for rededication. And I need a little help with that. Would you just slip a hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. Call you forward and make any bones about it in that way. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you so much. I will not embarrass you, but will you, if you raise your hands, please listen to me carefully. Would you make a commitment right now that you're going to pray with me? Okay, just go ahead and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray with him. In your heart, say, I'm going to pray with him. Because it's a very significant moment. I believe it is. I believe it's a very significant moment. A moment for you to pray. And I'm going to help you pray, and I'm going to ask everyone that didn't raise their hands to go ahead and pray with me as well. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I don't want to, I don't want to put a spotlight on those who that raised your hand. So would everybody pray with me? Say, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would look at my life, that you would save me, that you would help me. I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I thank you right now for this fresh start. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I thank you for helping me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. <laughs> so good. So good. Now listen, we're fixing a transition. Ray, Raylene has an announcement, but we're going to, we're fixing a transition. I know normally we bring our prayer partners up, but we're going to take it outside. We got baptizing to do. And the barbecue truck is here. We want you to go have lunch here. Go support that business. But listen, before we go, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start Connect Cards. And those of you that pray prayers like that, uh, if, if it's for the first time, we're going to have a place for you to check that. We don't have those Connect Cards today, but our pastors, we have pastors JP and Nikki that are back at Guest Relations. I'm asking you, that prayer is just the start. It's not the end. And we really want to make a connection with you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, please let them know it guest relations because it's very important for us to make contact with you concerning that. The other thing is, to our church family, every week we're going to give you a connect card for you to register your family was here and how many people with you. You don't have to fill the whole thing out if we already have your information, but at least your name and how many are with you so that we can keep records. That is our accountability to the Grow Network. They're giving us all their resources, but we're turning in our numbers to them, and we don't want to fake the numbers, and it's hard to count heads. So.